Well, here we go again. This is episode 13 of the podcast. It'll be me and James Roxborough talking about the Partygate affair. We'll be looking, here he is. Hello, James. Hello, Doug. Good Lord, you are pretty bright, aren't you? The room's exceptionally bright. No, it's just me. I'm just so bright, Dad. Oh, I know. I bring light into anywhere I go. <laughs> yes, the beacon of brightness. Right, today, this episode, we're going to be looking at Partygate. This, uh, this episode solely going to be focused on the Partygate scandal, on the government's handling of Partygate, but it's going to be a chronological analysis of every single party, all 20 parties. We'll be looking at them all, uh, describing, debating them, and then we'll look at the political ramifications of it. That's all we're doing today. We're laying out the case. We're laying the case against the government on Partygate. Yeah. Okay. Um, share my screen. It's recording, it's, by the way. Yes. It is. Right, good. Really good. Okay. <laughs> so party number one. That's of course the fifteenth of May, twenty twenty. That is the infamous number 10 garden party where uh, Dominic Cummings, Matt Hancock, Boris Johnson, Martin Reynolds. There is the photograph. Um, for the good listeners of the podcast, they obviously can't see it. They're, I mean, we're all enough familiar with the photograph. But for those who are not, it's, there's a table with Dominic Cummings, Martin Reynolds, P- Boris Johnson's PPS, Johnson, yeah. Carrie Simmons. There's another table with number 10 advisors. There's a section of the garden with about eight number 10 staff surrounding around each other. And then there's just Matt Hancock and the good chap has managed to circle there, Matt Hancock, on his own, like a pathetic prat. Um, this was at the time when the rules said you could not be outside with more than, with more than one person, from, not from your household. Yeah. Now, and I'm, I'm no mathematician now, but I think that's a bit more than one person from your household. In that situation. You, you, can, you can sort of understand what Boris Johnson's doing. You yeah. can understand that. You, and then you can understand, um, you can understand, you can maybe get away with the other people, but for the people who, are, who can't see it, there's another group of four people. Yeah. It's four, people. four people. You can maybe understand on, that. You can understand that. If, if they all work in the same place, they'll work at number 10. You can maybe understand it. But what's unforgivable? <laughs> what is it's absolutely unforgivable like, yeah. is in the is in the is in the background you yeah. have you have you have what can i be described as a, a i don't know how many is there one two three four five six seven eight nine ten yeah. ten people there that's that's five times as much as the government even allowed they're breaking the yeah. law five times there i mean that is literally and that's assuming that and that's assuming that then that some pairs are in that same household which isn't probably right either i've just discovered i can actually annotate on my screen I did not know that. Yeah. So I, I will take that liberty. Hold on a second. I'm going to just circle a few things. Oh, for God's sake, the Guardian is so useless. Come on. Anyway, but yeah, it, it does clearly violate the rules. So, I mean, yeah. if we, I mean we've got, I've got the ability to annotate. So if it's going to let me, right, uh, let's see how this contraption works. That. Uh, of the four people sitting on a desk together having a chat, you could just about get it. They work in the same part of number 10, yeah. like I just said. Yeah. That, Boris Johnson and Carrie Johnson, 
That is easily get away because, of course, they live in the same number 10 flat. That's legal. That's the only thing that's legal in this first. However, so that is not two metres away from Martin Reynolds. No. And that is not two metres away two from meters Tommy Cummings. Well, a metre away from Tommy Cummings. So that clearly breaks the rules. And you've also got a, you've also got a cheese bug as well. Exactly. So then you, and then, then if we zoom in, we have these clampets here. <laughs> And uh, for those who don't know who I'm insulting, that's eight number 10 members of staff in the actual garden, the grass area, not the porch area, all standing around next to each other. Now, I'm an expert on London housing laws, but I do not believe that any these sort of young people here can afford eight an eight-bedroom house. It's nine, though, actually. It's nine. There's one hidden behind. Oh, yes, of course. It's not a nine-bedroom house. That would be quite a novelty. So I think they've (laughs) broken the rules. And then there's just Matt Hancock sitting on his own there. <laughs> oh, he's not on his own. There was somebody there. There was somebody there. Oh, it's Gina. Ah, it's his mistress. That's it's his actually. Mistress. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> I think that's his mistress there, Mr. Hancock. So we've established that this party has evidently broken the rule. Yeah. Right. That. Ooh, no, you can stop annotating now. Thank you. No. Oh, God. Um, no. Yeah, thank God. Right, that's oh god. I for the good <laughs> listeners in 13 episodes of the podcast, I didn't even know this if 13 times I've used Zoom for the podcast, I did not honestly know this feature even existed. What a time to test it out. <laughs> oh, it's it's brilliant. We can now start highlighting things. Uh where's docs gone? Where has my docs gone? Oh, God's sake. Sorry, sorry the, to the good listeners who's uh, is thinking, there we are, right, let's just load it back on. So that's party number one. So that's clearly broken rules, evidently, okay? So party yeah. number two, this was the infamous bring your own booze party where yeah. Martin Reynolds, Boris Johnson's principal private secretary, I'll explain why it's important in two seconds, decided to send an email telling number 10 staff to bring their own booze, a hundred number 10 staff at a time where you could not meet more than one person outside. Yeah. 30 people attended this bring your own booze party. So 30% of people who were invited attended. So we could could say to those 30% of those people, 70% were law-abiding citizens and 30% were absolute morons. That's, I think that sounds about right. That three in ten were complete muppets. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But why is this? Why is Martin Reynolds so significant? It's because if any of you watch, yes, you watch, yes, Prime Minister, I've watched, yes, Prime Minister. Yeah. The Prime Minister tells the PPS what to do. Mm. The principal private secretary cannot do anything without the Prime Minister saying so, saying yeah. that he can. Yeah. So Johnson it kind of goes to show that if. Uh, what does, does, it, does it say where they pass in number 10? Yeah, so it does say it's in number 10. So <laughs> you have to say, considering it is the Prime Minister's house and considering that PPS does need permission and authorization for any gathering or anything, presumably at this time, by the Prime Minister, you, you could go to show that this had to be, this had to be uh, arranged by the Prime Minister. And yeah. it must have been because Boris Johnson's wife, Carrie Simmons, went. She did go, so she must have known. It can't have been an... A sort of secret party. He must have been a well-known yeah. public party. I mean, Boris Johnson himself went as well, didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. Apparently for 25 minutes, we're told, which is which <clears throat> is what he claims. This is the same yeah. man who claimed that the that they've restored free hospital car parking and free and that the economy's conservative government has grown by 73%, which are two yeah. unmistakable lies. So he has claimed that. Um so then there's, of course, that clearly broke the rules. Right. Yeah. So, so far, uh, we've established £100 worth of fines. Yeah. So, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that's if we're going for the minimum. That's yeah. the minimum. That's the minimum. If we're going for maximum, he's already got 20 grand. Oh, yeah. If we're going for maximum, he's on £20,000. Oh, actually, I forgot, because it, it's doubling, isn't it? So it's, if you have one party and do it again, they double the fine, keep doubling does it. Doubling, do they do that? So he's got 30 do. grand here. Do the Met double COVID fines? Doesn't say, but I know they do. Because I read yeah. it. So let's say it was 100. Okay, so, so I mean, you got 150 minimum. 150 minimum. This is number. Then, this is a drink scavenging took place in number 10 for a private secretary. Uh, this was on the 18th of June 2020 when you were not allowed to have anybody in your house. Um, yeah. Still, so that clearly broke the rules. That's the height of lockdown. This was the height, the height of, of lockdown. This was this was now coming into the whole. Um, this is coming into the whole rule of six phase now we're entering. Yes. That summer of rule of six, outside restaurants, all that nonsense. Um, yeah. Government interfering with individual liberty, but also for necessary reasons, it was COVID. Uh, 19th of June, this was infamously the Boris Johnson birthday party that people talk about. Yeah, I mean, this this is the one that's got the most publicity out of all of them. Hasn't oh, it? yeah, because our media are very lazy. They don't actually look at the other parties. <laughs> but The one in the middle, <laughs> we'll take that one. Yes. <laughs> That one. I mean, <laughs> they say number 10's defence for balance. Let's outline the party. The party was in the cabinet room. Johnson had cake and some alcohol with his yeah. friends there. Now, for balance, number 10 claimed that all those people were there as part of a later COVID meeting, we're told. Now, why was the Prime Minister's interior designer there? Why was the Lulu Little, the Prince's interior designer, who helped him do two hundred thousand pounds to do up his flat? Why uh, they needed they needed the interior? They needed the interior minister, the minister for the interior. The colour for the masks, <laughs> the colour for the PPE masks, <laughs> which never, which still were. By the way, yeah, here's about that. Nineteenth of June, Britain still had a PPE shortage. Mm. We still had doctors wearing bin liners. We still had yeah. ventilators that weren't actually there. So uh, why was Carrie Simmons there? Why was uh, Martin Reynolds there, who had nothing to do with the... was not part of the inner COVID group. He was the <clears> keeper. So why what? were they there if it was a COVID strategy meeting? And then they claimed that, basically, Johnson was there for nine minutes. The Metropolitan well, Police... It's a very short strategy meeting, hour. isn't it? Hmm? Very short strategy meeting for nine well, minutes. It must have been, James. It, it must have been eight minutes of party, one minute. What can we do about COVID? Nothing. Right, moving on. <laughs> Point of order, Prime Minister. Can't we do the point of the PPEs? Let's get a few more Tory donors to make utter PPE if they don't work. Uh, but yeah, that clearly broke the rules. Mm. Um, I mean, this is just advice for our friends in the Metropolitan Police if they actually want to speed up the investigation a bit. Yes, yes, yes. You know, uh, a student has a party, they're fined that day £10,000. Uh, Prime Minister has 20 <laughs> parties. We all in good time, public. All in good time. <laughs> Three months later, all in good time. I mean, come on. So, taking the time to punish the prime minister. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, 
the top the, the Metropolitan Police is a friend of the Conservative Party, as we all know. Mm. Now, uh, so yeah, that clearly broke the rules. And they say, well, a few people came in to greet him happy birthday. Uh, the Metropolitan Police fined him for being there for one hour. So the nine-minute claim is a facade. So, so, so the Met Police find them for being there for an hour? Yeah, Met Police find them for the event lasting for one hour, and Johnson was there. So, because Remember, the event was in the cabinet room, James, at the home of the Prime Minister. Mm. Unless Johnson somehow left the cabinet room to go to where the Prime... which is the home of the Prime Minister, in terms of that's where the Prime Minister's power is, so his yeah. staff could all have a party in his powerful room, whilst he did what? Strump around number 10, looking for people to shout at. I mean, the argument's whimsical. Yeah, he was there. I mean, he was there for the whole hour. Of course, he was. I mean, I mean, Boris Johnson has to either now say that yeah, the Met Police lie, which then calls into question every single investigation the Met Police have ever done, mm-hmm. or he has to say that he lied. And if he says he lies, he has to resign. Fine. So he's in a lose lose situation. This party. Do you know what? And I, I don't think... think anybody's put it to him in that way. Somebody put it to him in that way. I mean, he hasn't got much hope, has he, really? I generally think if it came to that, he'd say, well, oh, the Met Police are, you know, they, they <laughs> cannot make the facts. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, no, chaps. Uh, coming is potitatus. Uh, uh, you know, I tried it Latin. I mean, he's a charlatan, but he would throw the Met Police under the bus if it was between him and the Met Police. Yeah. Hell, Johnson would throw his own wife under the metaphorical bus if he could save his own skin. He's clinging on to any last shred of power that he can grab hold of. Well, it's why he loves Ukraine so much. He, he, that's the main reason why. I mean, I mean, obviously we do need to stand by Ukraine, but I mean, oh. the fact, the fact, the fact that he's just clinging on to everything and clinging on and clinging on and clinging on, and he's saying, "Oh, we'll forget about, we'll forget about the fact that I broke the law in 2020." Who cares? Who cares? Everybody cares. <laughs> it's just your care. It's like, like they're saying, let's move on to the cost of living crisis. Okay, let's talk about cost of living. Do you remember yesterday's cabinet meeting, James? They had a cabinet meeting yesterday, and yeah. they said, um, what do you do about the cost of living crisis? What I'm about to say next isn't a joke. They want yeah. to spend all MOT checks for two years, that saves £50, and they yeah. want to deregulate all childcare facilities on health and safety standards. Apparently that will help there, and nothing else. They spent two hours on the cost of living, and that's what came out. So the cost of living crisis for them is, oh, God, our children are annoying. Just send them away. Send them away. (laughs) I mean, mean, there were private suggestions, but I don't want to talk about the private ones. But I guarantee you, in the cabinet room, they were like, well, hire less butlers. That's probably their solution. (laughs) Just hire five butlers rather than ten butlers, honestly. So horrible they are. The surplus. Put them in a lockbox. <laughs> <laughs> right. 13th of November. This is, of course, when Dominic Cummings resigned. Uh, for the yeah. conference of the viewers, 13th of 2020, uh, for, for the COVID people who know about COVID, this is after we had the Tier 4, Tier 3, Tier 2 implanting debacle. This is after yeah. Test and Trace had contacted precisely two people in a week. This was precisely the people had to drive 450 miles to go and get a test. This was after yep. schools had been opened, then closed, and opened, then closed, and opened again. And this was after the government reported another £10 billion of COVID PPE fraud. So, yeah. the natural... And, of course, they hadn't attended a Good Morning Britain interview for five months. So, the solution? Have another party. Well, um, I mean, obviously, Doug. I mean, in this situation when parties are illegal... 
and you know you've celebrated doing absolutely nothing no. i feel like the best thing to do is to have a party well i mean they've broken the law in every other instinct why not break the law even more <laughs> i mean i mean this one was of course when dominic cummings left the best communicator they've had since well ever and now he's gone um and Can he released the book or something Dominic Cummings Ah, okay. Dominic <clears throat> he used it initially just to stick the boot into Johnson all the time and stick the boot into Hancock. I mean, apparently oh. Hancock's got a book out called How I Won the COVID War. You didn't. We have one of the worst death tolls in the world. How what do you mean? Is that a is that a victory? You didn't win anything, mate. New Zealand had 46 deaths. We have 160,000. Good job. Good job. Well done. Germany have about one-eighth of our death toll. And Germany have more people than us. But that's for another day. We'll, 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 we'll just try them on COVID another day. Anyway. So naturally, Carrie Simmons decides to have a party in, her, in the flat, the number 10 flat. The number 10 flat to which her co-resident is the man called Boris Johnson. So the defence for this party, apparently, was that Johnson was in the study and didn't hear what was going on. Now, because, I mean, <clears throat> when... I feel like if you're in the same flats, I mean, mm. the Downing Street flat is a reasonably-sized flat in London, for, for London's scale. But I still think if somebody's playing ABBA music, of all music, <laughs> you would be able to hear it, though, and you would come out furious. Who's playing ABBA in my house? Apparently started at 10 o'clock and it finished at 2 a.m. Now look, even if the even if they weren't blasting the music and it was mildly normalized size, normal music, right? Like like 30 volume, etc. If it's going on for four hours, surely at some point you might catch on thinking, what's going on here? Also, that that is saying that Boris Johnson works from 10 till 2 in the morning. And I don't think he I do, do you think he does that? I didn't leave. Didn't leave. 10, didn't leave 20. his study once from ten till two. No chance. I mean, what I'm more interested about is the gap between the nineteenth and the thirteenth of November. Why is there such a big gap? Well, I don't think they talk about parties, James. How have you done that? I can do everything, Dad. Have you got like? Are you on an iPad or something? Like, yeah, I'm on an iPad. Yeah, I'm on an iPad. I like that. Anyway, feel free then, because at least it won't damage it. Um. But yeah, that's a good point. Is that what happened between those three months? I mean, there weren't were I mean, look, those are the, these parties have all been leaked. For all yeah. we know, there may be more parties in that period. I think there probably was. I, I I mean, I mean, if you if you if you go up, I mean they had a party every other day, then they had one day yeah. you know, one on the 19th of June. 15th of May, 20th of May, 18th of May, and then 8th of June, 19th of June. I mean they're consecutive, they are consecutive. Yeah. So yeah, they, and then and then before and then before. And then they thought after, do you know what? After now nah, we've had enough. Well, yes, that's not happened. I'm not buying that for a second. I no, think, I think there's, there's at least another seven parties in because there look, somewhere. 13th of November, 25th of yeah. November, 27th of November, 10th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, the 9th, 18th of December, they're partying. So, yeah. There was surely more in the four months of the summer, I think. Um, yeah. you, you do know when Dominic Cummings resigned, you know what Carrie Johnson called him? Him and what? Lee Kane. What the Mad Mothers. Oh, I'm sure they took that to heart. Muslim fun- <laughs> that means they're basically called them Muslim fundamentalists. That means they're basically Muslim fundamentalists who don't like partying. Oh, so, so that's like... Uh, 
Oliver Cromwell with his pure, yeah, exactly. It's uh, like Oliver Cromwell, yeah, Puritans. They're basically pure. Mm. Called the Muslim Puritans, in effect. So I think that's so there's an even deeper meaning of what's going on in number ten. I would like, honestly, I'd like number ten to release a CCTV footage of every party that ever got happened. <laughs> Boris Johnson <laughs> just <laughs> drinking and dancing. Well, I mean, he probably was. But Hadcock's pushed another two billions of PPE fraud. <laughs> what a drip, honestly. Now, now, so that's party six one now. Because remember, they had they were days when they had multiple parties. Like you remember, they had two parties that day. So that's party number seven. Mr. Sunak, after doing furlough, where everyone said marvelous idea, and it was a marvelous idea. Hats mm-hmm. off to him. After leaving 3 million people without a single scintilla of support, after leaving most small businesses without support, after not funding the schools effectively, after trying to uplift universal credit without providing subsidies, after not bailing out the farming industry, after not bailing out the manufacturing tech uh, car industry, after deciding to let British airline industry nearly go bankrupt, after funding test and trace, which was a, a circo test and trace, which is a demonstrable failure, after doing all of that and still not providing tax reform on business rates or tax reform on income, two dozen tre- treasury staff think that earns them a party. I'm sure it does, Dad. I'm sure our hard work of messing up the country is take the toll. They are masters at one thing. They are masters of incompetence. But that earned them a party. I mean, 24 people in the room, that was at a time when we were in lockdown. Exactly. We were in a lockdown then. Oh, yeah, important to know, friends, the 13th of November and 25th of November, Britain was in lockdown. Everywhere except the schools and the hospitals and the police stations had to be shut. When, when did the schools close again? They didn't the close in January. Ja- that was it, that was it. I remember January. It. I remember. Schools yeah, closed I remember. in January. But the schools were still open in November. But mo- every, yeah. most things were over. It was called a quasi-lockdown. Most things were shut. So whilst the country was in lockdown, again, they had another party. So I, I, I remember this now, yeah. I remember the 25th of November. The first, we had to sit outside in the freezing cold in our isolated spots. While Forrest Johnson and Rishi Sunak were dancing the night away <laughs> in a nice warm building with champagne and lukewarm oh. chardonnay. Then came the 27th of November. I mean, that's literally just two days later. They have another party for Cleo Watson when she goes. Cleo, of course, being Dominic Cummings' female sidekick. She leaves because Cummings left. And number 10 held a massive drinky do for her whilst we were still in a thing called lockdown. So presumably presumably Boris Johnson didn't like Cleo Watson because she was Dominic Cummings' left-hand man. Yeah. so why are they celebrating? Are they celebrating the fact that she's left? Yes. Or are they celebrating with her? They celebrating no, it's with her. the fact that she's gone. Oh, she's gone? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine. When Lee Kin and, C- and Cummings went, the whole number 10 staff apparently partied the fact they were gone. So when she went, it okay. was a party. Okay, that, that uh, makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the only institution I know where people generally throw parties of, thank God they're gone. Yeah, let's get 10th of December. They have a party. So, and, and then the, the gap between this is a fortnight. Yeah, and I think there were more parties here. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it'd be easier for Sue Gray to investigate days when there were not parties. I think they would <laughs> the investigation much quicker. Sue Gray goes, they weren't partying that day. They weren't partying that day. Sue Gray should just and say, can you all please tell me when you weren't on the latch? Can you now tell me today? Oh, only six days. Thank you so much. That makes my investigation much easier. <laughs> The Sue Gray report, one page. They were all doing it all the time. They never stopped. That's why this country's fucked. 
Right, 10th of December. Yeah. The Department of Education of all bloody places decides oh to file to one as well. Gavin Willingson was still in charge, wasn't Gavin, he? Now? He was big Gavin's after shutting schools, after deciding to provide laptops that had viruses infected into them, after reopening the school for two weeks that had students coming back two, three days a week, after then closing schools and messing up the GCSEs and A-levels that saw most working class kids not go to university they wanted to because Gavin Williamson deemed their school was dreadful. Then coming back and having this group system where all years were at different parts of schools, their isolation points, then deciding that messing up the messaging, messing up the messaging isolation that somehow that if you were, if one person in your year got infected, you'd all have to go all off. Have to go off yeah. And then it's one person in your form, then the form would have to go off. Then it's just you go off for 10 days. I mean, it was the most messed up messaging to exist. Yeah. Um, and after doing all of that, after making offset mess up the secondary schools, forcing good teachers to leave the profession, after deciding that we would have exams, then we wouldn't have exams, then we would have exams, now we're not having exams, after deciding to cut um, SEN pay, after deciding to destroy the teacher funding model, after deciding to cancel the Building School Speech Initiative, doing all of that, we realising that 2021 was still not yet even to arrive. Gavin Williamson decides his staff are entitled to have a party. I mean, parties are held because you've succeeded. What the hell is that definition of success? Now that, that, that definition of success, it's surviving. I think I'm worth it. I'm still in power, yeah? Yeah. Um, I still got a January. job. I remember last January having a conversation with Ian Dale and me and him were talking about Gavin Williamson being sacked. So it was not like, you know, last summer everyone thought GW was out. Everybody for a long time using me sacked. The fact you're still there was a miracle. Do you know what I think I'm surprised about, actually? In all the party revelations, Matt Hancock's name has never come out once. True. I'd like to know if the Department of Health had parties, because I guarantee you they, they did. They probably did in that massive gap, I'm telling you right now, in that massive mm. gap, they probably did. Also, with something to point out with that party, if you just go... Yeah. Oh, the Gavin Williamson one, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Gavin Williamson one. London had been placed under a Tier 4 regulation. Yes. Because at Which this time, it, was, it wasn't illegal to have people in the same, in the same area. No, it was not. But it was where they were because of the tier, tier 4 which meant you could not be in a room with more than two people in it. Now, yeah. uh, a party of two people would be utterly boring, so it's safe to say they broke the rules. <laughs> then we get to the 14th of December, just four days later, there's another party yeah. in Conservative headquarters. And now, luckily, we do have a photo of a party at Tory HQ. Oh, well, let's have a look. Um, it, I mean, honestly, I don't even know what went through the head of these possessed fools. But genuinely, what went through their head? I mean, first of all, look, having a party is one thing. Taking a photo of it? Oh, look, it's our good friend Sean Bailey. Bailey! Ah, it's <laughs> Sean Bailey. The only black person in the room, actually. Uh, Sean Bailey, for the uh, those uninformed, was the Tory candidate for Mayor of London last year, who ran on, incidentally, law and order. So, you know, there we go. The man who ran on law and order broke the laws himself. It is impressive that they did manage to run on law and order and break more laws than any law and order uh, campaigners in the history of law and order. Oh, of course, the, the party of law and order it's the old saying, you know, the very firmness and rhetoric enabled him to be a pragmatist. Because the Tories yap on about law and order so much, when they break the laws, yeah, well, we all break the laws, don't we? 
no, no, we, we really don't. We really don't. Um, so that broke the law. And anyone who says, and this was, of course, at the time when the government were dithering on whether or not to cancel Christmas. That infamous mm. days of the five day Christmas, the three days Christmas, the one day Christmas, and the three days Christmas, then you could have people at your house, then don't go to people's house, then uh, use the three days because of different people's homes, and then don't go to the care home and do go to the care homes. I mean, you know, you know what? I can understand why people got a bit confused. Oh, I can too. It's like they didn't know what they were doing. It's, it's, it's almost like that. They're making it up until they went along. Yeah, it's like they say, well, we don't want anyone to be at home. Uh, to go to that, to basically, don't anyone to go to people's homes on Christmas. So number 10 staffer, I'm going to my mates for Christmas. All right, all right, everyone can go to their mates for Christmas. <laughs> I guarantee that's what happened, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're going, oh, we can't look like law-breaking Perhaps We've done that so many times as it is. <laughs> right, so then there's, of course, the, oh, the bin bag party. Sorry, that came out wrong. Oh, yeah. It was the number 10 Boris Johnson Zoom Christmas quiz. And why I refer to the bin bag, good listeners, you will figure out in just two seconds. So, the bin bag party. I called it that because this apparently is the most innocent that Boris Johnson had a Zoom Christmas quiz like everyone else was doing during Christmas. All right, fair, fair, fair. First of all, they're not socially distanced. That, no. that, break, that just breaks the rules there. Uh, Boris Johnson has two aides next to him and they're not socially distant. And to anyone who says, so what? May I remind you that teachers were not allowed to go and talk to students because the teachers have to be two metres away from the students in the schools. And there it is, a bin bag over a camera. So if what so, they were doing... Go on. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we're going to make the same point here. <laughs> if, if, if Boris Johnson thought what he was doing was right... They wouldn't need to put a bit in Bimag over the camera. But he did what do he it. So maybe, maybe he knew he was breaking the law. Mm. Maybe, maybe, Dad, I, I, might, I might be pushing it here. Maybe mm. he knew he was breaking the law and he said he wasn't breaking the law. He lied to Parliament. So oh, maybe yeah, he should not. resign. And uh, by the way, to anybody who says, please show us proof that Boris Johnson said he did not break the rules. You'll get that. You'll get your proof. If Zoom actually, if YouTube chooses to load up, I'll give you the proof. Boris Johnson, House of Commons, 1st of December. <laughs> oh, by the way, a shout out to Piers Morgan and Censored. Great show. Great show. Is that, is that Piers Morgan because he got sacked? Oh, he, he left, didn't he? He didn't get sacked. He, he left and now he's got a show that has outperformed Sky's evening news show, the BBC, 6 o'clock news, GB news, and all of the British news. I know the 6 o'clock news is the least watch news. Sorry, the news is the 8 o'clock news, not the 6 o'clock news. 6 o'clock news is oh, okay. The whole house will be with those continuing to face ministerial colleagues. At... That's been that for me. I joined the prime. That's Sakia. Great chat. And, uh, complete... uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, what I can tell the right honourable gentleman is that uh, is that all guidance was followed uh, completely during number ten. And can I and, and can I can I recommend uh, to the right honourable gentleman that he does uh, the same uh, with his own Christmas party, which he's advertised uh, for December the fifteenth. But which to which other? Uh, that was also a lie. There was no Christmas party for December the fifteenth. So. Again, what was he on about? I mean, the man was a ser- he's a serial liar. There was a yeah. 
premises questions where Johnson said uh, inflation was something to worry about. I've always said, he said, I've always said inflation is something to worry about and we must all worry about inflation. And during PMQs, Beth Rigby, who's Sky News editor, posted a clip of Boris Johnson in October saying any fears of inflation are, quote, unfounded. that it gives. But I repeat, Mr. Speaker, that I have been repeatedly assured since these allegations emerged that there was no party and that and that no COVID rules were broken. And that is what I have been repeatedly assured. I mean, that's a lie. Yeah. That's genuine. I mean, I don't know why he used the 1st of December, not the 8th of December. I can't remember. But that's that's an absolute lie. And mainly the fact that he's now lied about 11 parties that were held when they were held. And, you know, look at, look at the time. 8th of December. That means 20 parties in. And by the way, I'd like to know if there were parties held. Actually, no, that's irrelevant. But were the parties held between January and April? I'd like to know that. Okay, yeah, another massive gap. How many months is that? That's January, February, Three months, months. ten weeks. Three months, months though, yeah. Easter parties. The Easter parties. I'd like to know if there were parties in Easter. I bet there was parties in yeah. Easter, Dad. I, I can't think guarantee could... there was. Right. Um... That's the Zoom Christmas quiz. Then, of course, the Department of Transport under Grant Shacks or Michael Green, whatever he says to call himself, <laughs> uh, whatever Mr. Shacks decides to call himself today. Oh, I call him. I call it Crack Shacks. I typed in Crack Shacks. Grant Shacks, Michael Green. I mean, this literally shows the absolute snide. Yeah, I mean, wait. If I put Michael Green into Google, will it come up with Grant Shacks? Michael That'll Green. That would be funny. Nah, it comes up with Michael Green, the American writer. Oh, well. There, there we are. Uh, that's the man. Now, that, of course, is a photo of Grant Shapps, the Secretary of State for Transport, as we all know him to be. Look at yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> Michael Green. That's his tag. He made a million, he made millions of pounds by being somebody he wasn't. So, you know, that shows to the character of these people. But I won't have a go at Grant Shapps, actually, because under his transport ship, we've renationalized the railways. So at least he can have some modicum of credit for doing a very good yeah. policy on railways. Well, I mean, he has to realize, he has to renationalise the railways now because, I mean, Southern Rail won't meet the performance targets. I mean, there's the old thing, I think it was in Germany or Netherlands, one of the two, where the rails are completely privately owned, but if rail companies do not provide 95% of their services on time, they have to give up three quarters of their yearly profits in the form of a pay cut. Well, I mean... It's not like that in Japan, but in Japan, they're price so cut, on time. Got a price cut. In Japan, they are so on time, they are always on time, that if they're late by two minutes, people on the trains get given a card to say, sorry, we're late for work, because it's so unbelievable that they're ever going to be late because of a train, that people actually have to give them cards saying, it's actually true, so they were, it was our fault. The, Je the Japanese are so, that is efficient. You're going to work, why were you late? Oh, the trains. God. <laughs> Unusual. Unusual. Um, 17th of December. I mean, look at this, right? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. That is literally one after the other, after the other, after the other. All the next day. The next and all day. all legal. All legal. No rules are broken, apparently, according to number 10 Downing Street, which, as we know, is the epitome of everything that's truth and honest comes out of number 10 Downing Street. Nothing ever is a lie from number 10. I trust them, Dad. 
Oh, I trust them so much. I also believe that Elvis Presley's not dead. I do. God, what other conspiracy theories do you believe, Darren? <laughs> no, no, Elvis died, sadly. A very not honourable death at all. No, I don't, I don't believe in any conspiracy theories, as you know, James. Oh, good. Al Gore is not a theory, it's a fact. <laughs> Al Gore was not a theory, it's a provable fact that he won the 2000 election and the Supreme Court took it away from him. Now, 17 December 2020, uh, I'll zoom in for this one because it is quite a block of text, I do concede. So, this, of course, actually is the funniest of them all, actually, because, of course, Simon Case, the man who was going to investigate the, co- the coronavirus parties, had a party himself, the cabinet secretary, the man Boris Johnson appointed to investigate all the parties, had a party. But I'm not angry at Simon Case. No, no, no. I'm angry at a woman called Kate Kate Josephs, who had a party herself. Now you think, why am I angry at innocent civilian? She was the woman in charge for implementing all COVID regulations. And she had a party. So it's like it's kind of like though that if you make the rules, you don't have to follow them. No, no, rules are for the small people, according to the conservatives. I mean, I, rules I are for the rule, not the rulers. Is what I, they I think. I like that. I like that. Rules are for the rule, not the rulers. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, I know Andrew Mitchell never called that police officer a pleb, but I wouldn't be surprised if you you remember you know Eric Pickles. You heard Eric Pickles. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whenever I get depressed, I just think of Eric Pickles and I become funny and I always laugh. Eric Pickles is a former Tory minister and he's known for being notoriously fat. Now, um, and when I and I mean he is, I'm sorry, I don't often call, I don't I don't like fat shaming anybody, but Eric Pickles is notoriously fat. But I mean look at him. Um Eric Pickles, there he is, was at the, was at the Grenfell Tower inquiry uh, last week and said he has a very busy day, so could they choose their questions wisely? I mean, come on! Wait, why did I bring up Eric Pickles? Oh, yeah, it's that the way they treat the common people. It's the attitude to the commoners. That basically, it's the old Gore Vidal saying that they'll come at you with crocodile tears for your problems because they need your votes. But when they don't need your votes, they'll insult you freely. Yeah. It's so true. Um, anyway, so Kate Joe's this that's hold a party, the head of COVID regulations implementing. And look, that's angry enough. This was the very same day that the United Kingdom government Twitter account, UK Gov Twitter account, discouraged a person from having a party. I mean, how long has that gone? We're all having a party. Oh, some common ones have a party. Nope. <laughs> That's only our job. I, mean, I don't understand. I don't. I don't even understand how they thought this was reasonable. Is it? Did, did they think it was reasonable because they thought they weren't going to get caught? That's the only reason I think they have. Yes, but also, mate, James, remember they're members of the Conservative Party. Reasonable isn't the first word that comes to mind. I mean, there, there are decent members of the Conservative oh, Party. Oh, very decent members of the Conservative Party. Um, Andrew Mitchell, he's a very good man, former Diffid secretary. Theresa May, Damien Green, good chap. Stephen Hammond, a very good man. Um, there are a lot of these Tories, but a lot of them sit in the House of Lords now. Yeah. 
Because you can't be decent and on the benches now. It's not allowed. There are rather, I mean, you got look, Ken Clark, Stephen Dorrell, Ruth Davidson, great, moderate, One Nation Conservatives. They're on in the House of Lords. I mean, it used to be just the House of Lords was full of the old, men, old mental people and the Commons was the same chamber. It's gone the other way around. The Lords are full of the respectable people, you know, the David Blunkett's, the Jack Straws, the Ken Clark's, the Ruth Davidson's. And we've got Boris Johnson, Liz Truss. I mean, for God's sake. I mean, I'll, we'll get into a Liz Truss story in a second. I'll take a dig at her because I... But we're going to move on. We've got to keep going with the parties. We're on a good, we're on a good roll here. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. All right, no, I can't resist. I'm going to do the Liz Truss story. So, <laughs> John Major, he, uh, when he was Chief Secretary to the Treasury, flies over to America in 87, 86. I can't remember. I think, let me just check. When was he Chief Secretary? It was in the late 80s when he was... John Major got an exceptionally fast cabinet promotion, John Major did. But when he was the... Um, Chief Secretary Treasury for Nigel Lawson, he went over to America to go and talk to James Baker, who was then, yeah, there we are, 87. So he went over to go and talk to James Baker, who was the Treasury Secretary for Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan's former White House Chief of Staff, to negotiate a trade deal that allowed Britain and America to have financial services moving for it. So if Lehman Brothers wanted to do big trade with Britain's Barclays Bank, they could do so without a tax being applied to it, right? Hmm. That's yeah. how Britain £6 billion and strengthen our banks even more. Liz Trust goes to America's chief secretary to watch a game of American football and to do some shopping. Um, I'm sure that was a very productive shop. The American ambassador, when John Major came over, said, there's we got a new a prime minister on the possibility because even James Baker was heavily impressed by his charm and good-natured personality. Liz Truss came over, the American ambassador got a fax sent over, say, she really is useless, isn't she? Sent back with the words, <laughs> yes, she really is. <laughs> Those are two conservatives, one who became prime minister, one who could become the prime minister. God, uh, the thought of well, Liz the thing, the prime thing minister... Is, the the fact is, the, whole, the fact you're holding your breath shows that the Conservative Party are staying with Boris Johnson because they had no other option. They had no alternative. They did have Rishi Sunak. Well, Sunak's but gone His now. wife avoided tax. He's been caught in the party. He's been fine. He's got no chance now. He's I got, mean, you're a Tory I mean, mate of mine who said the only reason Tory we're not putting in the 54 letters is because everyone says, if do you want Liz Trust to be Prime Minister? And they go, no, we bloody don't. So then we just stick with him for another day. I mean, that is literally why Johnson will not be resigning as prime minister because if the they... annoying thing about this, the annoying thing about this is that is that Boris Johnson he can just ride the wave of this. Oh, that yeah. is the most annoying thing about it. Yeah. Uh, but he, he can just he can just you know go, go on his way, and eventually, eventually, it will just come to an end, and nobody will care anymore. And the fact is, the fact is that people do care. And yeah. the only, and people, I mean, I hate to say it, but people only care the press care. I mean, because that's where most people get the information. And I'm lazy and ignorance, as we know. But then, but then when the press stop reporting it, Boris Johnson knows he's safe. Oh, I agree so, with that. But I think the fact, the fact about, is Mark, we shouldn't. Go on. Go on. Sorry. You're talking about the waves that are coming. In next Thursday, we're going to have a big wave coming called the local elections. Yeah. And anyway, tsunami for Boris Johnson. Yeah. 
Anyone remembers the local elections last time when Johnson was 10 points in the opinion polls. Tories won the local elections by six. Now Labour are between six to 12 points in the opinion polls. Do you know the calculator is like a calculator to figure out how much seats they've got as a prediction so far, how many seats they would get? Well, I don't think there is that type of calculator, but I can't, if it helps, I can tell you how many seats they're defending, if that helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the issue is we're going into these local elections actually defending more seats than the Tories are. That's our issue. Mm. So we've got 74 councils. They've got 46 Liberal Democrats have nine. They got five in 2014. And good old Vince doubled them up to nearly nine. Um, the Tories have 1,300 councillors. Labour have 2,300 councillors. We have 542 councillors. This was at a time, by the way, when, as you can see, it you was... Hmm? Are you all in them? No. So why do you say we've got 542 councillors? I say we. Yeah. I say they. They have <laughs> councillors. Not we. I'm only part of parties that actually might, you know, get into government. And as I like Vince Cable, you know, he's. I think John Cleese would argue be there, Dad. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> it's like people who are members of the Green Party. What planet are you living on? You're never going to get into government. There's, I mean, that's what we're going from. We're going from elections where we got 29% in last year in the locals. But, I mean, if, if, if you look at so that, that's Johnson at the peak of his popularity. Got Only got 36%, yeah. The yeah. Tories gained 13 councils. We lost eight councils. But then, you know, that and that technically, James, the issue of 2017, was that wasn't a time when the Tories crushed us. Yeah. They crushed us in, those, like, in the 2017 locals. So depends if Labour can do a so-called 1996, where the Conservative Party came into third place in the local elections, where Paddy Ashdown's Liberal Democrats got 26% the vote, Labour basically. I mean, you know, if we want to talk about ni the 96 local elections, I've had to watch the election night for the 96 locals. So, you know, there we are. If you want to look at the 96 locals, Labour, 43%, Tories, 29%, Lib um, Liberal Democrats, 26%. But look, Labour, 10,900 councillors. Liberal Democrats, 5,000 councillors. Tories, 4,200 councillors. Oh, this is national quantity of councillors. So, you know, obviously it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be a Labour domination. But yeah. if we get Johnson's position where he's not an election winner, yeah, who I think knows? It would have yeah, but who with? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, the right want Pretty Patel, but she'll only get one vote herself. They want others want Liz Trust, but she's so dense it's almost funny. And Michael Gove's got a bit of issues coming up right now, so I don't think he'll be able to run. So it'll be Jeremy Hunt, most likely. Mr. Hunt. Anyway, um, if they haven't enough parties already, no, no. Mm. let's move to December the 18th, 2020. Oh, well, party 16. Party 16. Party 16, yes. As if there's not enough parties. Uh, this is, of course, in the year 2020. Over seven months, they have 16 parties. So that's what? Nearly one every fortnight. One every yeah, fortnight have a party. Uh, number 10, on average, of course, a bit more than that. Number 10 Downing Street have a, have a press office has decided to have a Christmas party of 40 people at a time when they were saying, don't go out and don't leave your home. Mm. With a secret Santa and prize giving, it's to be very late into the night. And the same day, the infamous Allegra Stratton, the press secretary, so called, had a video where she was laughing and joking about it. So, you know, that's 
But that's basically in one week they've partied every day. Yeah. Now, uh, but I mean, the leg was strapped The fact is that she laughed about it, and oh, what did she laughing? And it and they weren't socially distanced. Those were her words, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the video. And they weren't even socially distanced or something like that. But the point, the point is, is that Boris Johnson should resign. Then he's been caught out. Well, he got caught out. That's what, I mean, a friend said, why did Johnson apologise? Johnson only apologises if he's been caught, not because Johnson actually apologises. Yeah. Before Christmas, as millions were cancelling plans, was Downing Street still full of festive cheer? Tonight, ITV News has fresh evidence that a party may have taken place in the... Because ITV News have figured it out. Just proclaimed the It was the Daily Mirror who reported it, but ITV News got the footage. So it, was a, it was basically a Daily Mirror ITV News collaboration. On the 22nd of December, the Prime Minister's then spokesperson, Allegra Stratton, is practising for the televised press briefings she'd been planning to host. Anybody have any questions today? She's answering mock questions posed by senior Downing Street staff acting as journalists. They include this one from Ed Oldfield, an advisor to the Prime Minister. I've just seen reports on Twitter that there was a Downing Street Christmas party on Friday night. Do you recognise those reports? <laughs> I went home. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, uh, uh, the Prime Minister condone having a Christmas party? What's the answer? I don't know. I didn't want to have a party. It was cheese and wine. Is cheese and wine all right? No. It was a business meeting. <laughs> It's just recorded. This fictional party was a business meeting. And it was not socially distanced. That recording is the first time. I mean, come on. That's, that's, I mean, right. So when Johnson said, I have been repeatedly assured there were no parties. So the staff knew there were a party, so they could not have repeatedly assured him of that. He knew there was a party because he went to the parties. So what? What did, was he? Was he visited by some mystical figure in night and then repeatedly assured him there were no parties? I mean, what? Who was these repeated? Where were these repeated assurances coming from? It was almost as if he wasn't assured of anything. It sounds like he was there. Hmm. Does sound like he's there. It wasn't socially distanced. I mean, that's not something to laugh about, is it? I mean, the fact the fact is that they're laughing about it like it's a joke. And, be, and there's people at my school who go, it's not a big deal, they had a party. The issue isn't them having a party. That's not the It's the fact that they're lying to us. It's the fact they take us for idiots. And it's the fact that they put the rules on the British public and didn't follow them themselves. Yeah. Now, I'm sure I'm sure the nine minutes that Boris Johnson claimed he was at his birthday party would be absolutely brilliant for a person whose family member was dying and they could see them for the last nine minutes of their life. I'm sure it'd be brilliant. To, I'm sure it'd be brilliant for parents to help out to help out their uh, 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 children in uh, who are at university can't leave, and so they could just go in and give them the food and go in and give them, you know, new covers. So I'm sure it'd be perfect for many families mate, uh, to, to to see to see loved ones in care homes or even through the glass in the care home. But the fact is, is that. They don't see it like that. They see it as, oh, we lost uh, nine minutes, nine minutes, whatever. What can you do in nine minutes? The question, the question isn't what you can do in nine minutes. It's what that nine minutes meant for so many people. What that nine minutes, nine minutes could mean for so many people is the actual question. And the, and the fact is that they're just 
always constantly, 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 constantly playing it down like it was nothing is insulting to the British public. Yeah, and, and I can see here now you just brought remember up the... Manchester um, University Gates scandal. Do you remember this? Yeah, well, I remember this. so passionate about keeping the students safe that it'd be hilariously funny to put gates around the building so students could not leave. And of course they pushed it down. I mean, I don't often support student left-wing student movements, but I've got to admit, kicking down fences and pushing it down for a laugh was utterly hilarious. But it's it's getting to a point here that our, this look, what party gate shows, in my view, it's a question of our institutions. Yeah. Right? Like you said, it's not the parties. Well, I mean, it's the parties. I mean, yeah. sorry, we were being led by a bunch of idiots who probably woke up the next morning from a hangover. But it's the lying. It's yeah. consistent lying. And then people say, why are we not interested in politics? I said, you know, I can watch Prime Minister's questions, right? And I can truthfully predict the six questions Keir Starmer would ask and the six questions Boris Johnson would answer with. I can truthfully, I mean, I do watch PMQs, but it's going a bit boring now watching Johnson speak. When the ministers go on Good Morning Britain to do the morning media round, where they go on BBC, Sky News, uh, GMB, and they just do the morning media round, I just ask these journalists, what's the point of interviewing them? Genuinely. <laughs> They're just going to, they, these people, right? It started with Linton Crosby. You've heard of Linton Crosby, James? I have, yeah. Yeah, Linton Crosby, 2015 election Tory strategist who had the strategy of, quote, consistent messaging, which basically is you say the same thing again and again and again and again and again, right? Uh, the phrase long-term economic plan, brilliant phrase developed by Linton Crosby. It's one of the few things everyone remembers 2015 election, the long-term. Are you, sure, are, you sure, are you sure that wasn't Mr. Howard? Did you find it too overruled in Mr. Howard? <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no, that was the same question being asked. But no, this is where Tory MPs would say basically the same phrase. We have a long-term economic plan response to every question they get that phrase in, right? This yeah. time, it's just, you know, did the Prime Minister break the rules? Well, I can I can assure you the Prime Minister on with doing the job. It's like, just answer the question. But of course not. Now, let's move on to the new party. I mean, if we we will put on that did you threaten to overrule him, Mr. Howard and see that was utterly hilarious. I'm sorry, you're asking the same question 14 times. Still no answer. I'll put it on the end. No, bugger it, we'll put it on now. <laughs> Jerry Paxman, Michael Howard, 1997. I know with that we digress, but we're actually pretty decently in the timeline of the podcast at the moment. Did you threaten to overrule him? No. Did you threaten to overrule him? What happened? Mr. Lewis says... I do to be consulted. Did you threaten to overrule him? I would consider overruling me. Mr. Marrick. Mr. Lewis said... I mean, let's put this in context. This is the Derek Lewis prison scandal, where basically... not totally familiar, but basically Michael Howard threatened to overrule a prison, the head of prisons, on how a certain prison was governed. So, did he threaten to overrule him? Well, he did, yes. Palatable. It sounded indecisive. It would be seen as a fudge. If I did not change my mind and suspend Marriott, he would have to consider overruling me. Mr. Marriott. You can't both be right. Mr. Marriott was not suspended. 
I was entitled to express my views. I was entitled to be consulted. Did you threaten to overrule? I, I was not entitled to instruct Derek Lewis, oh. and I did not instruct him. And did the you threaten of, to overrule? The, the truth of the hmm. matter is that Mr. Marriott was not suspended. Did you I threaten did not, to overrule him? I did not overrule Derek did Lewis. Did you threaten to overrule him? I took advice on what I could or could not did do. Did you threaten to I overrule him, Mr. Howard? In accordance with that advice, I did not overrule Derek Lewis. Did you Lewis. threaten to overrule Mr. him? was not suspended. Did you threaten to overrule Seven. him? I have accounted for my decision to dismiss Derek Lewis Did you threaten to overrule him? detail before the House of Commons. I note you're not answering the question whether you threatened well, the, to overrule him. The, the important aspect of this, which is very clear to bear in mind... I'm sorry, I'm going to be frightfully this. rude, but, yes, yes, you but can, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's you, a quite you straight put, yes or no. Did you threaten to overrule him? Eleven. I discussed this matter with Derek. <laughs> I gave him the benefit of my opinion. I gave him the benefit of my opinion in strong language. But I did not instruct him because I was not uh, entitled to instruct him. I was entitled to express my opinion, and that is what I did. With respect, that is not answering the question of whether you threatened to overrule him. Twelve. It's dealing with the relevant point, which is what I was entitled to do and what I was not entitled to do. And I have dealt with this in detail before the House of Commons and before the Select Committee. But with respect, you haven't answered the question of whether you threatened to overrule him. Well, you see... The question is, what was I entitled to do and what was I not entitled to do? I was not entitled to do the question. Him, yeah. and I did not do that. Right. Uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave that aspect there and move on to this question. If you're 13 please. times he asked the same question. 13 times <laughs> there was no answer. Oh, God. I mean, I mean, God, that, that is hilarious. It's brilliant. That is absolutely <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's one if you know, interesting in Rwanda. We'll come on to that later, where Michael had the same policy of basically new offshore migrants, and Paxman goes, "Where will you put these people? Where?" And he goes, "I haven't got an answer for that." Anyway, <laughs> I mean, shall I put that on? I mean, we're still pretty decently in this time schedule, but it's basically the Rwanda policy. And then we got we digress, we digress from Partygate, but this is because we're a free flowing podcast. But where is it? We have to withdraw. Right. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? These... I'm interested in doing are not genuine refugees. They are the people who no. pay the people smugglers to come to this hey, country. Where genuine would refugees. You put these... I... At which we would accept genuine refugees over the year. And we would aim to get the 20,000 in over the period of a year. So we would have the, the 20,000th, as you, as you described, uh, I suppose, arriving sometime in December. And if someone arrived, uh, someone wanted asylum into next year's quota, it would work very simply uh, and very effectively. You'd have an enormous way. backlog, wouldn't you? I don't think so. These, at all. Where, where would these people actually physically be? Well, what we'd like to to work towards is is the following system. At the moment, let's start with describing where we are at the moment. At the no, moment, no, no, we, no, we where would they I'll, be? I'll come to it. Just let me let, let me let me tell you how how we get to where we want to be. At the moment. We have a system that is desperately unfair and inhumane. The people who benefit from it are not genuine refugees. They are the people who no. pay the people smugglers to come to this country. Where genuine would refugees. you put these I, people? I'm going to explain that to you, Jeremy. You just have to be patient for a moment or two. Only two out of ten 
of the people who apply for asylum in this country today are genuine refugees. So we want to break the link between people who have to come to the country illegally, who have to trick their way in, in order to apply for asylum. We would take a number of genuine refugees from uh, the UNHCR. And if people arrived in this country and wanted to claim asylum, we would... And you still haven't told us, where is this place? Where are they going to be? That's because you keep interrupting. If you didn't interrupt, I'd have got there by now. Look, it's very simple. Name a place. If those people... If there are people who come into this country and to apply for asylum, we would look for overseas processing centers Where? and put them there. Well, I'm in opposition. I can't negotiate this is with another other thing governments. you've not had a conversation about. Is no, it? but it is when we'll get into government. And I mean, he is brilliant. Jeremy Baxman is brilliant. Just casually slaughtering politicians. Yeah. Anyway. He does it so easily as well. Oh, he does it so easily. Where will you put these people? Well, we, we don't know yet. Well, what do you mean? You put up a policy you don't know? Good Lord. Anyway, post party number 17, non-2021 party. There was another party, of course. Uh, this was at seven days after the Prime Minister thought it'd be hilariously funny to put the whole country back into lockdown again. Yeah. Third lockdown now. Lockdown number three. Um, and he holds a party for number 10 private secretary. Then the 16th of April... Uh, parties 18 and 19, where on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral, Downing Street has cases of wine, DJs, and a night long evening do. Hmm. I mean, what, and so, how, what, what, how that didn't kick them off is beyond me. Whilst, whilst, whilst the Queen was sitting on her own in the altars, by her on her own. No one around her to comfort her husband that she'd been married to for seventy years, something like that. Yeah, twenty-four years. I mean, it's obscene. And everyone they just go, "Well, we're having a party about it." It's disgraceful. Uh, and yeah. of course, they had another leaving do for James Slack, James Slack, the former deputy political to the Sun newspaper, which is why the Sun never talked about Party Gate. <laughs> I don't think they can, can they? <laughs> After oh, that, because one of their mates is on on the lash now. Let's look at the post response, the post response party gate. So, yeah. first of all, you know, it's very important. I mean, we, it's very important to know that back in November with the Owen Patterson scandal, Johnson had a 64% approved, sorry, 64% disapproved. 20, actually, no, let's, let's use the YouGov tracking figures. YouGov, Boris Johnson approval. Because YouGov, first of all, YouGov is conservative, as we know, owned by the Tory, non-dom, Belizean, tax-avoiding, deranged man called Lord Ashcroft. But even if we take Lord Ashcroft's figures red, look back to November, look back to the election, right? In the election, when Boris Johnson won his 80-seat majority, he was 47% of the country approved, 41% of the country disapproved. Yeah. Right? April 2020, where everybody, virtually most people gave him the benefit of the doubt, two-thirds of the country approved only one quarter disapproved, 66-26, right? Mm. I mean, free FSM debacle, the free school meal debacle, uh, yeah. 56% disapproved, 37% approved, one third of the country approved of starving children. Good to know, good to know that, yeah. Oh, dear. Then, of course, came the vaccine, where the yeah. whole, where, to be honest, a lot of people was, had basically had to praise the government. We gone through basically seven months where we were just all slagging them off universally. Yeah. And then the vaccine worked very well. I mean, certainly to know that during the whole local elections, 
it was 48 47 approved yeah on the day of the last elections of locals it was 48 percent approved 47 percent disapproved yeah and he only won the locals by seven points with plus one yeah then came of course november with owen patterson when it was 64 29 then came sue gray peak of <laughs> sue gray when it was 73% disapproved, 22% approved. And now it is 65% of the country approved, 25% of the country disapproved. Now, well, what, what, what I like to look at is the, um, is the uh, don't know section. And you see how low the don't know section is there. It's like 5%. Because 5% of everybody is just, they're just all furious with us. Who are it's, these? I- the people who go, well, he's done some good things and some bad things. <laughs> Name the good things. What's well, the well, good? If, 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 if you look at a bit of the beginning of his premiership right there, it's, it's like, what is it, like 37 37%, 37%, yeah. 37% of people don't know about him. And then over COVID, you expect people to know about it, know about it, know about it. And they go, oh, we don't know, he's still done some good things. And shut good down things. Parliament. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then they went, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's broken the law. All... He shut down. I mean, obviously, that was COVID, and then because of Cummings. I mean, you know how bad Cummings was. His approvals fell fourteen points because of Dominic Cummings, from fifty-seven <laughs> to forty-three. Went bang. Uh, but here's the best part: is let's look at it amongst the conservative voters, because as we know, okay. they are the be-all and end-all of society, even though they are truly some of the most visible people on the earth. So I still don't see how Conservative voters still think he's a good man. Look, James, even in January, the peak of January, they just reluctantly accepted he's a bad person, right? 50% disapproved, 46% approved. Last election, very important to know, in the last local election campaign, 87% of Tory voters approved, 10% disapproved, right? Well, I think think, think the thing to know about this is the Conservatives are very good at being loyal. They are. Much more loyal than Labour are, and when they do a disagreement, they have they have it in private. They, they don't go up and make it massive, like and blow it up out of force like Labour do. They have it in private, and they sort it out behind uh, behind oh, closed doors. T- Tory's biggest hero, Mrs. Thatcher, was thrown out by the Tory Party, made irrelevant by the Tory Party. Remember, David Cameron thousand five. There is such a thing as society. It's not just the same thing as the it, there is such a thing as society. It's just not the same thing as the state. Actually, when Leisha Blake, which basically abandoned Mrs. Thatcher's, there's no such thing as society nonsense. After she dies, good Lord, man. Oh, she was the best person ever. The world loved her, apparently. And the whole country adored Mrs. Thatcher. I mean, they want Margaret Thatcher Day. And I, you know, James, I do favour Margaret Thatcher Day because I would love one day where I could just tell the country how utterly dreadful she was. How utterly dreadful she was. The three million unemployed, the two recessions, the destruction of North Sea oil, the 15% interest rate, the destruction of the North, the privatizing of rail, water, electricity, gas, telecoms, airlines, energy, the calling the miners the enemy from within, using, I mean, honestly. Yeah, down with down with that journey. Thank God she left the world. But the Tories adore her. And we have our biggest election yeah. in a Tony Blair. Minimum wage, short start, tax credits, peace in Northern Ireland, peace in Kosovo, peace in Sierra Leone. The man who did the massive investment, he built 113 new hospitals, 350 new schools. They got us from a 101-week average NHS waiting list to just three. 
that got us from 45% of kids getting five good GCSEs to 83%, that got crime yeah. down every single year, that cut poverty from 14 million to 3 million. And do we all say, oh, he was just a Tory, wasn't he? He was just a Tory. Yeah, just a Tory, apparently. We, the Labour Party is so bad at its history. We only revere yeah. Attlee. Yeah. Do we revere Harold Wilson? He won us four elections, did the Open University, decriminalised death penalty, got rid of death penalty, made more, built 300,000 flats every single year. Uh, you know, do we, do we revere Mike Roy Jenkins? Do we revere James Callahan? Do we revere Michael Ford? Well, we revere Tony Benn, that's because Tony Benn's God. Do we revere John Smith or Gordon? I mean, everyone likes Gordon Brown, but we don't, the Tory party don't, they either slag off, they don't, they either love their leaders or they just forget they ever occurred. Yeah, we I respect. I mean, yeah, David Cameron's uh, he was a, he was a mistake, oh, uh. <laughs> but you know, if we look amongst regions and the regional, you look at the mid north of England, right? The Red Wall, the Tories talk about the Red Wall voters, they all brag about endlessly. Okay, polling day 49% approved, 38% disapproved. That's the 2019 general election polling day. Uh, COVID, 69% approved, 25% disapproved. That's the, that's the 9th of April, two weeks into the pandemic, yeah. when the only person opposing the country, the government was James Roxburgh, Piers Morgan, now Alistair Campbell, <laughs> and Rory Stewart. Then, of course, came uh, locals, where they were pretty much uh, 47% approved, 45% disapproved. Now, it's 66% disapproved, 28% approved. What's the highest point? What's the highest point? No. What? Disapproves? Yeah, approved. Okay, wouldn't it? 73% approved, 20% yeah. I mean, look, even amongst the Midlands, where there actually is a Tory base of voters, even in the Midlands, right? Last election, 2019 general, 53% approved, 34% disapproved. Now, 60, 34, 60% disapproved, 34% approved. I mean, I mean, this area here is much the same, isn't it? Yeah. Midlands like Birmingham and Bolsover. I mean, it's a lot of the red walls. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, this part here is pretty much the exact same from the northwest. Oh yeah, that's what. The percentages, yeah. I mean, if you look at Labour voters, right? Look at Labour voters for heaven's sake. Last election, one in ten Labour voters were going to vote Conservative. That's peak of COVID. Then look at the locals, right? Even in the locals, for heaven's sake, where's it? One in five Labour voters were going to vote approved of the Prime Minister. Yeah. Now it's six. Six and a hundred. Six and a hundred. One Not in six and five. Not six and five. five. <laughs> That'd be 120%. But that's no, no. a mathematical impossible. And Labour votes are proven. If you look at the working class, the people the Tories apparently want to now level up, you know, last election, 2019, 45% approved, 38% disapproved. Now, 58 32. So my point is, is that first of all, Partygate has destroyed the government's credibility. What's caused that? What's caused that um, increase in approval rating for Boris Johnson there? At the end? Sorry, it's Ukraine, isn't it? Oh yeah, that'll be it. Yeah, true. Wait, but I mean, everyone says, "Oh, about the Thatcher moment." Well, the thing about Mrs. Thatcher was she was trusted. She was hated, but she was trusted. Yeah. Right? Uh, and doesn't. Hands up, who really trusts the Prime Minister? Which Conservatives can truthfully say Boris Johnson always tells the truth? Boris Johnson. <laughs> Boris Johnson, Nadine Doris, anybody else? Anybody else? Any, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, yes. Anyone else in the country who really believes the Prime Minister always tells the truth? 
No, they don't. Um, but my point is, you've had that great little interlude, is that the polling figures have destroyed the government now. Yeah. Right? We, we, as Labour Party members, this time, say, last summer, were not wholly convinced we were going to win the next election. We weren't. No. Now, we gen- I genuinely believe we have a fighting chance of winning not just a majority, but a 50-60 seat majority in the next election. Yeah. I genuinely believe we have a fight. Look at that Redfield and Wilton poll, right? We're eight points ahead. Te- YouGov, Lord Ashcroft, we're six points ahead. Get a poll, we're 11 points ahead. We have been ahead in every single opinion poll now since December the 9th. The Labour Party, yeah. every poll since December the 8th, the Labour Party has been consistently ahead in the opinion polls. What was the highest, what's the highest lead we've had? 14? Uh, 14, yeah. Okay. So I, I think it's all for the taking. So what party gate? I mean, look, Owen Patterson started this. I mean, we all overlooked the Owen Patterson scandal. That started this. Now, Partygate has shaken the country up because we've realised it's all... It's like, remember Mrs. Thatcher did the poll tax? Yeah. What did that symbolise? She didn't really care for the poor. She didn't care no. for the downtrodden. She just wanted to help the white English middle class, the rich, okay? This yeah. has symbolised every worst instinct we have about the Conservative, about Johnson, that he's a yeah. liar, he's a cheat, he's a con artist. And then you want to believe it during the vaccines... But now it's come out. So let's move to our final question. Oh, actually, no, no. We got to we got to look at the ramifications in terms of the actual post-COVID response, which is that uh, ministers went out to say there were no parties. Kit Malthouse did. George Freeman did. Yeah. Then, of course, Simon Case was appointed to head the investigation into Partygate. Have uh, they resigned? He, what? Oh no, no, they haven't resigned. So, so they've lied and didn't resign. They've lied and they're still on the job. Yes, apparently they're still on the job. Uh, Simon Case was taken off the investigation of the party and then Sue Gray was given it. Sue Gray has a report that has 300 photographs in it. Now, let's just say, let's just say 5% of them have the Prime Minister in them. That's 15 photos. (laughs) Now, the Met Police have launched their farcical, whimsical, useless investigation that has done nothing for the pursuit of justice. I mean, you know, the the Metropolitan Police, okay, if a commoner was having a party, they had no issue with issuing a fine quickly and getting them fined and destroyed. 11 weeks in. They have done good stuff. Yeah. I mean, genuinely. How I mean, they have taken their time. They have they taken their time, time to figure yeah. out. Here's, here's the thing. They've still done the job. They haven't broke it. They haven't, like, you know what I mean? They've still done the job. Albeit very slowly, but they have done it. It's generally, it's generally like, right, Sue Gray's got the report, okay? The Metropolitan Police have a copy of Sue Gray uh, getting the report. How hard is it for the Metropolitan Police to get photographs, to have the photographs of people who broke the party, and to say, hello, uh, you, t- number 10 staffer, did you attend the party on this date? You did, right. Here's a fine. Next one, next one, quick, quick. How hard is it for them to do that? We're apparently going to do it slow, and they're going to have questionnaires last a week. I mean, it's it's a farce. It's all a farce. Now, yeah. Theresa May's gone against the government. Andrew Mitchell's gone against the government. But so has Mr. David Davis. He, I mean, David Davis, when PMQ's 9th of January 2022, there was that massive... I mean, watch this. Like, Tory and B. David Davis becomes text in the Tory and B since 1992. 
He was Minister for Europe under John Major. He was Shadow Home Secretary under, under Ian Nicholson for Michael Howard, Chairman of the Party under William Hague, Shadow Home Secretary for David Cameron, uh, Brexit Secretary for Theresa May. So he's got a long political resume, right? These benches I spent weeks and months defending the Prime Minister uh, against often angry constituents. I reminded them of his success in delivering Brexit yeah. and the vaccine and many other things. But I expect my leaders to shoulder the responsibility for the actions they take. Yesterday, he did the opposite of that. So I'll remind him of a quotation altogether too familiar to him of Leo Amory to Neville Chamberlain. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go. Order, Prime Minister. I, I, I must say to the right honourable gentleman, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, but uh, what I can what I can tell him that's also a lie, because Boris Johnson wrote a book on Winston Churchill, which had the Leo Amory quote in there about Neville Chamberlain. Uh, but that was powerful. Okay, it wasn't powerful as Jeffrey Howes. You know, it's like in the opening batsman of the crease only to realise the moment the first ball's been bowled that their bats have been broken before the game by the team captain. Talking about Margaret Thatcher there. You know, it's not as powerful as that, but it is still pretty powerful. Yeah. But Johnson's still there. Yeah. And when Johnson's next resignation talks will happen, will be after the local elections when the Tory party yeah. get absolutely drubbing. And you've if said, they do, hopefully. Well, they will. They'll, they'll get a drubbing. Get well, well, well. On on my way to school today, um, yeah. I looked out. I looked out to see if there's any um any uh you know conservative accountable conservative Labour lived there. Pakistani people. The Pakistani posters. Sorry. There are Pakistani candidates with vote conservative. Is there? Yeah, in Bolton. Well, well. Uh, hey, so, Street, Road. Uh, anyway, so so I was just I was just driving down. I I wasn't driving, but you know what I mean. Uh, and, um, yeah, I was on the bus. I was on the bus. Big and I counted, bike. and I and I counted, and I and I counted uh, about six vote Labour signs Good. inside the windows all outside. I saw one Labour banner, vote Labour banner, and um, two vote Lib Dems, and mm. zero vote Conservatives. <laughs> zero, not one person has the guts say. I'm a conservative. Those go, ah, there's a traitor. Take him. <laughs> I mean, instantly during the American Revolution, when the um, Sons of Liberty wanted to target someone who supported the British, they do you know what they paint on their window to say this is a man we should attack? Tory. Yeah, eat the Tory. <laughs> beat the crap out of him. That's that would be quite interesting. Um but the reason, so if Johnson does badly in the local elections, remember he he was a, he had a ten point lead in the polls. He won by seven. Right now, yeah. Labour have got about an eight point lead average, which means they could win by twelve. If they win by twelve, that means the Tories lose about a thousand councillors. Yeah. Right. People then say Boris Johnson's not an election winner. He's got to go. Who they replaced him with? Jeremy Hunt. And I seriously hope Jeremy Hunt or Michael Gove becomes the leader of the party. Oh, Pretty Patel will be hilarious. Pretty Patel will be so easy to win against. Uh, That's the whole point, though. 
one day, one day she on the 20th election she was out for one day on the campaign trail and that was to say that basically the reason people are in poverty is because people are lazy and ignorant so she would be the best candidate to run against because she's such a cretin but the reason I want Michael Gove with Jim Hunter around there is because right now the Tories have been saying you know we're a new government we've got new ideas Jeremy Hunt can't say that because he said, one second, weren't you the culture secretary under David Cameron and the health secretary under David Cameron, who was, I recall, oh, a conservative prime minister uh, in 2012, I recall. You remember how for 12 years? Michael Gove, exact same, again, heard the exact same allegations at Michael Gove. So it's easier to stick it to them. Yeah. Rather than these lot who, who don't, who've forgotten that David Cameron and Theresa May were both conservatives. That's hard to do. I mean, that, come on. Anyway, uh, but that's it. It is hard to remember your previous two prime ministers. Oh, of course, of course. Ours were a man called uh, Brown and um, a man called Blair. Gary, I think, I think it was Gary yeah. actually. Gary, Gary Blair. Blair and and uh, a man called um, uh, Train. Say Blair, I think his name was Tony Blair. Yeah. That's it. Yes, that's it. That's the one. That's Tony Blair. Yes, that's right. Gordon Brown, Tony Blair, great player. Which are, by the way, much better than David Cameron and Boris Johnson by a thousand miles away. And Theresa May. Well, no, Theresa May was agreeable. No, but I mean, she May was from, oh, it's private. She was just useless. Yeah, Theresa May was wrong place, wrong time, Prime Minister. Yeah. yeah. If Theresa May was Prime Minister now, we'd have a much more centrist conservative government, much more centrism. Yeah. Um, but no, she was she was a great person, but wrong place, wrong time. And there's Johnson who's just always the wrong time. Uh, but now we've concluded party gate. Yeah. We've gone through, we've taken, we've slid to them that they all 20 parties broke the rules. This Sunday, sorry to the listeners about Saturday, but this Sunday we will be recording an episode about uh, Franklin, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the greatest, one of the greatest presidents of all. We'll be looking yeah. at the New Deal, we'll be looking at the Wagner Act, we're looking at Social Security, we're looking at the Supreme Court, and then of course the Second World War. Then we're going to interview our friend from Think Tank, Torrin Wilkins of the Centre Think Tank. Then we're going to look at President Harry Truman. Actually, we might just do a special episode in the local elections. We'll see what we can do. We'll stream yeah, that on the local. Yeah. I think we'll get an episode on the locals. We'll do. We didn't say we'll do a special episode on Friday for the locals and do the podcast on Sunday. Yeah, we'll do that. Then we'll do an episode on Harry Truman. We'll start a new with our American episode. We'll start a new series called The Presidents. We're going to look at all presidents since Franklin D. Roosevelt and go all the way to President Biden. And we're but with Britain, we're still going to be doing the big issues and the interesting ideas um, to go forward on. Anyway, the episode has been an hour and tw- 20 minutes, James. We've kept it in time discipline this week. Which we have. We're very disciplined. We have been. I think we should keep, I think we should keep this format for the future. as much is much, much more sound and effective. Now, uh, to our good listeners, thank you so much for listening. We will have this episode uploaded by probably nine o'clock. Um, yeah, good day. Good day to all the listeners. Have a good evening. Yeah. <laughs> Stop share. Uh, stop recording. <laughs>